Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Praise the Lord. Hey, would you turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 27? Proverbs 27. And we're going to be talking about a very cool verse in Proverbs 27. 27, 17. Uh, we're going to do some myth busting this morning. This verse is commonly misread. And if you don't do the textual analysis of this verse, you'll get the idea, well, you'll get three or four or five, maybe even more wrong ideas about how to be sharpened in life. I'm going to speak especially to men this morning and how men come in contact with other men. And as a result of that contact with other men, there is a change in your countenance. And it's not always good. Okay? The close contact can bring contention. And I want you to understand that God uses that too. If you, if, if you leave today with nothing else, please leave today with this principle from Scripture. Just because you're mad doesn't mean you should go home with your toys. Come on. You're going to get, especially men, you're going to get mad at other men. That doesn't mean go find another church. Doesn't necessarily mean you ought to dump all the relationships in your life, pick up, go somewhere else. Because guess what? I, want, I just want to help you. Um, you are going to somewhere else with your problems too. And, and, and sometimes God puts you in the heat and in the friction and in the sparks so that you can see that maybe what's making you angry is the amount of what you see in that person that reminds you of you. That's what makes me the angriest. When I get angry at somebody, I'm reminded often, wow, it's really just that I'm reminded of myself. There's something I see in that person that's a mirror image of me. And if I go running off and bolting off, and just, you know, this attitude in our culture today, it's disposable. If I just dispose every relationship in my life, if I treat everybody I come in contact with like a drive-through relationship, where I just eat it, pick it up, go real quick, throw it away, I'm never going to learn how to be graceful. I'm never going to learn how to love. Because love isn't something you just do when everything's cool and right and everybody's in agreement with you. Love is something you do when there's a lot of disagreement and there's a lot of things that are rubbing you the wrong direction. There's resistance, there's friction. And love and mercy and grace, you know, Galatians chapter 5, all the fruit of the Spirit, all of those things come out when you're in an environment that has heat. So if you're booking every time there's contention, God is not going to be able to grind away those things from your life that he wants to remove so that you can be like him. Hallelujah. Hey, no charge. That was a sermon all by itself. No second and third offering. Let's take a look at the text here and we'll pray. Now, now most of you are not reading from the King James. I'm not going to read from the King James and then I'm going to. Don't give me that face. It, there's a myriad of faces already. What, you're not reading from the King James, and then I'm going to read from the King James, and then I get another face. Can you feel the heat? All right, here's what it says. Very uh, familiar verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person 
sharpens another. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm reminded this morning that your Holy Spirit is the teacher. If any of us are to be sharpened this morning, it will be by the power of your Spirit working on us from the inside out. God, this morning, I, I don't attempt to do anything on my own. Without you, your Son, Father, I can do nothing. What changes lives, Lord, I'm reminded again and again and again, it's not me, it's not my words. God, it's the word that comes from your Holy Spirit that teaches us and reminds us of all things. So we endeavor to listen to him this morning. And God, we give you the praise and the thanks for it in Jesus' name, amen. Just want to ask the ladies this morning, just want to ask the ladies, especially the ones that are married, um, have you ever tried to get a man to do something? <laughs> now, I can tell how long you've been married by the laughter. S the length of the laughter. Some people are laughing longer than others, and that shows me the length of your marriage. Right there. Because if it's just a small little chuckle, and then you look around the room to think if you're right, you know? Because maybe you're still thinking you can get a man to do something. Hello. Right? And then there's the long laughter that says, I've given up that 20 years ago. I've, d I've stopped trying right there is a mentality though even in men that they think they can change another man right in fact we even hear it from society and it starts to sound good there are elements of it that are biblically appropriate you know it does take an example of a man to make a man out of a male what would be what would be just a boy or a male requires the example of a man and how many of you know that males and boys are not the same thing as men? And I'm not talking about boys to men, the singing crew. I'm talking about life. It requires a man. But it is the godly man that knows that the changing that's done is not coming from that man to that boy. The changing comes from God. You cannot change people. That is God's job. You do you. Let him be God. You cannot change yourself. And if you think about it, this verse starts off by saying that. If we don't read it appropriately, we begin to get, miss the big picture here. As iron sharpens iron, like that's really possible. Oh, you didn't, you didn't think about it that way. Maybe you've heard it preached. A different way as if iron could sharpen iron as if something that is of one substance can meet and come in contact with something of the same substance and actually sharpen it now we know that that doesn't work in reality that that's not true in reality but we get to this verse of scripture and I and I guarantee you you're gonna hear this preached a thousand times wrongly because somehow we want to think that men can sharpen men and that's not the complete picture. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. On the hardness scale, iron is a four. They call that the Mohs hardness scale. And I like that because that was my nickname growing up as a kid, Mo. The Mohs hardness scale. Now, I'm not a hard person. The reason why I was named Mo is because 
you know, we couldn't afford a barbershop cut, so my, my mom just put a bowl on my head and just shaved around it. Come on. And I look like Mo from the Three Stooges. You don't know anything about that, I know. You don't know anything about really awesome cultured stuff on TV. <laughs> on TV. You're just not a cultured people, I know. I, 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 but anyway, on the hardness scale, iron is a four, at best a five. Iron by itself. I'm not talking about iron mixed with carbon making steel. I'm talking about just iron. In order to sharpen another object, you have to be harder. You have to have a substance that's harder than the object that you're attempting to sharpen. You, you can't take a four and sharpen a four. You got to go five or higher. And this is why I struggled for at least 18 hours this week. And I don't normally spend that much time on sermon prep. Actually, I was wrestling with this all week long, especially in the Hebrew, because I started to read things in the Hebrew that people just aren't talking about. They're just not saying anything about it. Maybe I could take you to the King James Version, and maybe you'll get what I'm meaning. Okay? In the King James, the verse is actually lengthened. We're missing some things. In fact, in the NIV, the NLV, the NASB, the ESV, the, even the New King James Version leaves out a word. As iron sharpens iron, so one person, watch this, sharpens the countenance. Sharpens the what? The countenance of another. That word countenance is left out in all the other languages, all the other translations. So countenance is what it's really talking about. The subject of the, of the verse or the sentence is countenance. The subject of the sentence is not the how, it's the what. And it's the countenance that the verse is talking about. And that's what I hope to kind of help us understand here this morning. Just like you can't change a leopard by taking away its spots. Did you know that's in the Bible? That's Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Can a leopard take away its spots? Just like you can't change a leopard that way, you can dress a dog up all you want, people. It's still going to want to do dog things. Hello. Hello. We have all kinds of outfits for Kingston. All kinds of outfits. We put him in, especially in the winter, we put sweaters on him. He don't care about that. He don't care. You know what? He still drags his rear end across the floor with that sweater on. He still goes and tries to drink out of the toilet. He still wants to go sniff roadkill. He still wants to do dog stuff. Are you with me? Now, now when I was in Japan one time, um, I noticed that I had asked my daughter. She was living there. I said, why in the world is everyone pushing strollers with dogs in them? Now, you don't do this in the United States, but... But in the Japanese, especially in Tokyo, they do this. They take their dogs and they put their dogs in strollers and they dress their dogs up like famous people. Now, I'm not kidding you. It's called kawaii. The culture there is called kawaii culture. They believe their dogs are literally their children. Now, I know you treat your dog that way. Come on, I know some of your dog's names, man. You treat them that I've been to your house. I've seen how you talk to your dog. You don't talk to him like a baby at all. I come over with fries, and we're eating fries. Oh, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they call it kawaii culture, and what they, what they attempt to do is they attempt to kind of 
change their dog into something they want the dog to be when the dog just wants to be a dog. Just wants to be a dog. Now, I've seen two, two over there that I thought were mentionable. One was they dressed their dog up like Elvis Presley. And you were wondering if he's still alive. He is. He's alive in Japan, being pushed around by some Japanese folks in Tokyo. And the other one was Betty Boop. I couldn't, boop -de -doop, I couldn't believe it. But I seen Elvis Presley and Betty Boop in a stroller with sunglasses on. And, and you know, the question, the question needs to be asked. It's important. Is there any way that a person can change? Because there is another mentality that prevails in our culture. And that mentality is simply this, that a man is just a man. Boys will be boys. All right? And there's even that country song. Because after all, he's just a man. Right? Right? There was even a president that had a wife that did some things he shouldn't have done. And it was all about stand by your man. Come on. You don't remember that. Okay. Hello. I used to tell my little kids, my, my, especially my daughters, I'd say, stand by your dad. Mm -mm -mm. Especially when people wanted to, like, get me at church, you know. There is this attitude that a man can't change. And a man can change because you're not an animal. Listen, when men come together, it's not always sharpening. When men come together, a lot of times we're not sharpening each other, we're dulling each other. And that's what happens when a four meets a four. We dull each other. First thing out of our mouths is, is not how we can be sharper with Christ or with Jesus or with God. First thing out of our mouths is the number of cc's in your bike. Come on. How long is your truck bed? Are you driving the right truck? How much burger or meat can you pass through your body system? Hello? And, and it's not just stuff like that. It's how loud you can belch. Have you been to any men's breakfast here? I'm not asking you to, ladies. In fact, never visit the men's restroom here. Because there's things that go on in there. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Come on. So this attitude is, is how can I outdo you in being a bigger animal and more of a mess? The attitude isn't necessarily changing to be more like Christ and be more like God. There isn't enough in the story that says a man can change a man or a man can change himself. Why? Because two elements can't make that kind of sharpening difference on each other. And if you're made of the same element, you can't do that on your own either. So how does a man change? The Bible says that the heart of the man is the heart of the problem. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart of man is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. So the idea here is there's some misconceptions. For the heart to be sharpened and changed, there must be something that we need to see differently about this verse. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Here's the first one. My first issue is that it's grossly incomplete. If we leave out the word that we see for countenance, that word in Hebrew is panim, P-A-N, and this is going to be a phonetic spelling, P-A-N-E-E-M. This idea of countenance is the subject matter of the verse. Let's go a little bit farther, okay? What does panim mean? What is it talking about? Everything in the verse is a metaphor for how 
panim is changed or how countenance is changed. So when we look at that, we understand that it's not literal. I mean, come on, church. We're not actually saying that we should go up to someone else's face and make it sharper. Hello? Boy, I got your attention now. It's kind of a, it's an anxiety world we live in, don't we? Pastor picks up a knife and it's like, what's next? What's going to happen? It's not literal. In fact, you'd probably go to jail if you attempted that. So there is a metaphor that's being used here. What is this metaphor saying? It's saying that when you come into contact, in close contact, when you come into this moment where you are now in covenant with another man, there is going to be a change in your countenance. Your countenance is going to be sharp, sharpened. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing. And I'm going to blow your minds here. Many times we preach this and teach this verse wrongly because we communicate it in the affirmative when actually it's saying something in the negative. So here it is. What do we see about countenance in the Old Testament that lines up with the face and with change? Let me give you some verses. We see in Psalms 57.4, like a sharpened tongue. Also in Psalms 52.2, or like sharpened eyes, Job 16, 9. Or Psalms 140, verse 3, the tongue and the face are sharpened like snakes, ready to give a poisonous strike. In other words, and in Psalms 52, 2, we see that the result of a sharpened face or countenance is anger. Now, I, wanna, I want you to stay with me because some of you are going to check out right away. You're, you're thinking... Okay, you just, you just said something I never heard before, but stay with me. Is there a sharpening in this verse? Yeah. It just ain't coming from another guy. It's coming from that guy. It's coming from God. What is the verse talking about? It's talking about close contact in relationship, in covenant, that leads to the potential for contention. And if you're not careful, you'll run away from that before God gets to you and get you sharp. Come on, church, man. It's a little bit deeper than that. It's the closeness. It's the connection. It's that that brings the potential for contention, but that also brings a sharp countenance. Solomon is saying, get close enough to another man, and you may have a sharp countenance as a result. When iron then is drug across iron, there's just friction. There's heat, but there's not necessarily any sparks. Perhaps you don't believe me. Perhaps you're, you're one that would say, Pastor, you know, I have to see this demonstrated. You know? Don't worry, I have a license. Yeah, but I'm going to go up here to do it, okay? Because uh, I also understand liability. Okay? So what I have here is a power tool. And we love them, guys. Come on, yeah! Woo! You feel the power? You're not even holding the power, and I feel the power. I feel it for you, okay? What do we got here? We do not have in this power tool, in this Milwaukee power tool, we do not have a grinding wheel that is made of iron. It is made of carbon and silica, which on the hardness scale is seven or eight. You can only go a little bit higher, and you get to diamonds, which can be nine or ten. And we have a piece of iron. And you know what's cool? Woo, yeah, baby. I'm having a lot more fun than you are. Yeah. 
Can you smell that? I love the smell of grinding in the morning. Smells like victory. Right? It's, a, it's an awesome smell up here, but I'm going to cut it out. I don't know if I'm going to get hit by a sprinkler or what. The idea here is something here is sharper and harder than this is. And the result is a sharpening. But it doesn't come from another piece of iron. It actually comes from something that is made of a substance that is higher. And that substance is the Lord. That's my contention with this verse. That we're not getting the complete picture. That we think we can just hang out with men. That men can just be with men and just hang out and that'll be enough. If I'm just pastor's friend... If I'm just the deacon's friend, if I'm just this minister's friend, if, I'm if I just get around the right people, and the idea here is incomplete, God does use people. And God does show up in that relationship. But it's God that does the changing. Come on, church. It's God that does it. That's my first issue. My second is this, is that there's a hermeneutical misconception here. If you're not appropriately interpreting this verse you may begin to question the inerrancy the inspiration and the impeccability of god's word what are those things inspiration is god breathed okay we know what that means uh impeccability that means that not only can there not be error watch this or not only is there no error there cannot be any error you see the difference and then the next one is this we understand that the word is inerrant, no error at all. So if you approach this, even scientifically, if you put on for just a moment, even though the verse isn't really about metallurgy, if you approach this with an idea or an attitude of a scientific mind, you'd say geologically and in chemistry that this does not make sense. And you know what? You'd be right. Because iron doesn't sharpen iron. It says as iron sharpens iron. This is the equivalent of saying some very uh, absurd things like, as a banana attempts to play a violin, or as a plastic knife attempts to cut down a redwood. Do you see the absurdity? Do you see what's being said there? Try it all you want. The closest you get to a guy only brings friction and heat. But the sharpening, well, you know, I think Solomon said something about that too. Didn't Solomon say this? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Was Solomon saying, hey, it's not just you and me. Solomon is saying, you know what's going to sharpen us? You and me and him. When we get into his presence, that's where the sharpening comes from. That's when the change occurs. And so I, I struggle with an incomplete verse here when we don't talk about countenance because people may begin to get the idea that the scripture is in an error. No, the scripture's not an error at all. Your interpretation and my interpretation is an error. You say, Pastor, I have a sharp countenance towards you already. I can see that on your face. <laughs> and I say, I'm not going anywhere. That if I say and you say, guess what? God will sharpen us both. Come on, hallelujah. Uh, did Solomon know anything about how this works? Yes. The Hittites, 200 years before Israel had 
stepped into the Iron Age had already been making iron weapons. Solomon was smack dab in the middle of the Iron Age. He knew exactly how iron was sharpened. He had a working knowledge of it. So it wasn't like he was ignorant and he was saying something from his time that was not applicable. He was very, very smart. He was wise and he was saying something so that we could get something more. Amen? Amen. So what do we, what do we see in this scripture that also, pastor this morning, if I could think, if I could just say this in a third person, don't you love it when people speak of themselves in a third person? Yeah. No. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's another little issue, a little, little issue that needs a tissue, okay? It's a misunderstanding about how character works. How character works. Character works from the inside out, not the outside in. I can't get in your heart and change you. God can get in your heart and change you. And, and, and there's a misapplication here too because what men and women will do is as soon as we get into an environment that's uncomfortable... We will seek comfort again. I had that piece of iron that's over here, and I'll bring it to this one. We're totally fine if we're in an environment of people that are just like us. Until there's closeness, connection, covenant that changes our countenance. And that heat causes us to go seek other people that are just like me. And the problem with that is, is that doesn't do you much good. You need people that are different than you. And God uses that heat, if you'll remain in it, to show up in the presence of that agreement. Even though there's some disagreement, you agree to disagree and you remain in the relationship. You know, like your marriage. You know, like stuff like that. Because, because heaven sees that as unto death. Did you know there's no death in heaven? You know why we say unto death? You know why we say that? Because there is death here. But God is looking forward to and bringing a kingdom where covenant will be forever. Death won't even, st death won't even stand in the way. Hello. So, so God is saying, I want you to understand how my kingdom works. And my kingdom works like this. We stay together. We come in covenant and we remain in covenant for eternity. And so what we seek is someone that's just like me. And as soon as we see that, that somebody's just like us, we're fine until we come into contact, until we connect. And people don't hide in church anymore. I know that. I know that's, I know that's the case. Because, because I, <laughs> I go to church all the time. It's, I guess it's part of what I do. It's, I guess it's something, when I, well, something I do. I don't know. But, but, but you know, I, I am the church. And, and being in, in the church all the time, you are the church. You know what I see? I see a lot of people avoiding close connection. We're getting better, but we can do even better. And I tell you why we avoid close connection, because we know there'll be heat. Because we, we know it. We've been through it before, right? So we keep everything on the surface. And as soon as I encounter that you like a Reuben sandwich, there are some of the most ridiculous things. Oh, I'm gonna tell the truth. I've been out to lunch with some of you, and I love you so much, but I gotta tell you something. You will absolutely stop going to a restaurant because they don't have the sauce you like. Do, can you, do you realize that there are people that hear our conversations and <laughs> could come to Christ if they've seen the grace, but won't come to Christ now because 
You made it all about sauce and not about spirit. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Well, there isn't something here that I like, and it's not like me. And if it's not like me, I'm out of here, Jack, because I'm a consumer. I'm a consumer. You're not a consumer. You're called. You're to be like Christ. You're Christ-like. And so that's going to call for you to have grace, and you're going to learn grace, and you're going to learn love, and you're going to learn patience, and you're going to learn all the fruit of the Spirit by staying and remaining when people are different than you. And I know you want everybody to be just like you until you find out they're a lot like you and you're mad at them. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the honking truth. <laughs> How does a heart change? Going to wrap it up here in just a few moments. How does the heart change? How does it change? It, change, it changes in coming in contact with a source that is not of this world. It comes in contact with a source that is from somewhere else. Ultimately, that source is what we'll call this morning a whetstone. We know that, we know that we cannot get iron to sharpen iron. And I'll, I'll just show you a demonstration here. If that were true, then scissors would stay sharp. Almost got it. You know, if I caught a fly with these, I could do anything. Did you know that? Scripture already says, in Christ I can do all things. Come on. Scissors don't stay sharp by being used. You still have to sharpen scissors. If it, if it were possible, how many, of you, how many of you are old enough to remember that stupid Ginsu commercial? They would... It, yeah, it slices it. Yeah, how many of you remember? They would be like, it never needs sharpening. <laughs> and they take out an old rusty old can, and take that Ginsu knife. Look at this. <laughs> and then take a piece of paper and go, Shh, you know, and it would just be like, oh, that's really cool, right? What they don't show you is camera pause, new knife. Come on, right? How many of you have had the, the person come to your door and say, I'm going to offer you the sharpest knives in the world. You're only going to pay $3,000 for it over the next 30 years. But you're going to love these. You'll never have to buy another set of knives again. Because you know what I know. They all go, though. They all need sharpened. How many of you know you've, you've watched... Uh, You've watched a cartoon or, or two, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you, actually, it doesn't work like this. First, if you see it in the cartoon, oh, that's not a good one. Give me a good one. What? This is a mess. Okay, there we go. All right, all right, all right. And you see this going on? You know this is the absolute wrong thing to do with your cutlery. Can you see my cutlery, if you please? This is the wrong thing to do. We've seen it in cartoons, and we go, well, that's a fact. I've seen it in a cartoon. I know it's a fact. It's got to be true. All you're doing, all you're doing is dulling. And then you get out what's called a steel. This is a steel. And we think, I'm going to sharpen it that way. I'm going to sharpen it that way. Steels don't sharpen knives. They straighten them. 
They straighten them. You see, you can't see it. I definitely can't see it. But there are little microscopic inconsistencies in this blade. And after using it for so long, there's little waves. It's not completely as straight as it needs to be. So this process doesn't sharpen that blade. This process straightens the blade. And you do need somebody occasionally to straighten you out. You know why? Because you're a dude. You're a dude. And I've been straightened out. And you say, well, you're the pastor. Somebody can straighten you out. Yes, I can be corrected. You can be too. And if you get mad because of the heat of correction, and that causes your countenance to get hot, and then you go and leave, let me tell you what you are. You are not a man. You are a baby that shaves. You're a baby shaver. We got a whole country full of baby shavers living at 45 in the basement, playing video games, thinking that's a life. What God wants in the church today are real men. Can somebody give God some praise in the house today? See, a real man, when I come in contact with him, I still need the Lord. I still need the Lord, the whetstone, to sharpen me. But when I come in contact with another real man, it's not pleasant, but I might just get straightened out a little bit. It's like going to the chiropractor. And he tells you all those dumb jokes. I'm telling you what, I think the chiropractor's jokes are just about as dumb as my jokes. And you don't laugh at mine. And you, somehow you laugh at his. I'll tell you why you laugh at his. Because he's about to put his hands on your back. See, if I had access to your back and I was able to push, <laughs> you'd laugh at all my jokes. And then when you get, when you, especially this position where you get down like this, and then he gets, he gets his hands in that spot, and then he's like, okay, breathe out. And you're like, oh, dear God, here it comes. And then pop, 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 pop. And then you're like, ooh. And then you go into revival. You just want to praise God, right? Because you've been straightened out. It's not pleasant getting straightened out, but when you are straightened out, man, that's a blessing. So God uses a whetstone, and God uses a steel. Let me tell you about the whetstone. The whetstone is an old English word. Weston, which means sharpen. It's the idea of using a stone in a certain way that is on the hardness scale, harder than the piece of iron or knife that you're using, to sharpen the bevel on the blade so now it can have a purpose in this world. Your purpose in this world, men, is not you. Your purpose in this world, men, is to get together with other men and bring the man of God, who is the king of this world, to this world, to fix this world. And you invite him into this world by what we call the kerygma. You say, what? The proclamation of the gospel is not just, hey, by the way, words, but those that proclaim the gospel would go in front of the king. 
like John the Baptist would say, make straight the way of the Lord. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Make what? Make what? Uh, you're not even, you're not alive this morning. Make straight, make straight the way of the Lord. Hello? So that when the king shows up, the city doesn't look like a bunch of animals are in charge. You know, burping and eating cheeseburgers and talking about their bikes and trucks, which is all good. Except for, at some point, we need to be talking about the king. <laughs> so this whetstone is the rock. It's Jesus. It's, if I have a conversation with you, and we're joking around, and we're doing that guy thing that we do, and we all kind of look around and make sure there are no females, and then we keep talking. And I'll be real. Some of you are like, I never do that. Are you? Are, are you? We got an altar for liars, okay? You, and and, and if, if guys don't ever get the subject matter back on Jesus, we might be able to straighten a few things out in this world. And boy, can we do that. Just go down to Wilson's on a certain day of the week. I'm not going to say when. And there's a large group of guys there that have all of Finley's problems solved out. They've got all of Ohio's, the rest of the United States, and the whole world. They fix the whole world every single morning. I mean, that's awesome, isn't it? Personally, I'd like to meet at Dietz's, you know. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> that's where, you know, that's where I buy. But, but they fix it and they, they straighten it out every morning. But what about Jesus? What about the whetstone? The whetstone is what? brings the sharpening now I want to leave you with just three quick thoughts number one if there's nothing but heat sometimes and contention because like is coming in contact with like and it's just heat I'm getting tired of the heat and what I really need is to be sharpened and really what I need to be is I need it to be more about Jesus right I need it to be more about him and one of these pieces of iron introduces the other to the whetstone and you go to the whetstone together and you get sharpened together. You know what that's called? That's called fellowship. If there's a word that's used in the church today that is a, almost a true misnomer, it's that. We're having a potluck. You bring the pot, I'll bring the luck. We're having a, we're, if we're having a fellowship, that only, that only, here's what that is on the brain, okay? Um, Green bean casserole, corn casserole, everything casserole, but where's the meat? That's what guys think. Okay, no guys in here, just me. I guess I'm the masculine one of the bunch this morning. I want to know where the meat is, right? Because we think that's fellowship. That is not fellowship. That is not fellowship. Fellowship is when two pieces of iron hit the whetstone together in prayer. Woo! That's fellowship, man. That's when it gets good. That's the first thought. Here's the second thought. If there's nothing but heat and friction when you get, come together, then why even come together? Let me, let, let me, let me introduce you to uh, uh, the Chicago cutlery set here. Um, aside from the steak knives, which at our house, <laughs> which at our house, we don't really know what a steak knife is. This is not a, this is a steak knife. This is not a steak knife. 
it just fits, I guess, okay? But if you, if you just, if you look at this, if you look at this cutlery, cutlery block, if I can say it this morning, if you look at it, um, there's no uh, tool in here that's the same. I don't need you as long as I can. I just hit the whetstone by myself. What do I need you for? I mean, after a while, you just ag aggravate me. <laughs> I, I, for, first of all, let me tell you why, why they're putting a wood block. Because if you put your knives in a drawer, they dull. They rattle around and they're moving around in, in the drawer and they're getting dull by coming in contact with your stupid spoons that are all different sizes. <laughs> Nobody can figure out in any house I've ever been to what size spoon goes where, right? It's, it's just like, uh, I, I, we don't know anything about spooning, but that's the deal, okay? And, and so you put them in a wood block so that they'll stay, come on, are you alive this morning? They'll stay what? Sharp. But if you'll notice this morning, there's lots of different knives in here. Um, now, when my wife's not looking, um, if I cut, if I cooked a steak right, I wouldn't have to do this. But when my wife's not looking, I got up the scissors, right? And I cut my steak all up, right, with scissors, right? Is that, were you taught that right tool, right? What, what, right, what? Tool for the right job. You know how many men in the, in the church are doing a job they're not called to do? You know how many men in the church are never coming out of the block at all? They're, they're never coming out of the block. And there's not, there's not anybody to show them where they can come out of the block. It's not just coming out of the block, but it's showing them, okay, you're a paring knife. Here's what paring knives do. And we have an opportunity for you to pair to your heart's content. Right? Because we don't want to see somebody that's a steak knife go around trying to pair. Hello. This is absolute. You know what? You know what? After today, you're going to be able to walk into your kitchen and, and be and be like a total chef you see how good i am to you at this church and then and then you know what what is this knife is this like a butcher's knife or something okay well i'm not going to pull out one of these other knives to to do what that's supposed to do and i definitely can't cut anything with this but i can definitely straighten something out with that how many of you know if i'm one kind of knife i need the rest of the knives in this group because the right tool needs to fit the right job and every man in this church has a job. And we need you, and you need us. Finally. Finally. Yeah. Why in the world, if there's heat and there's friction, why in the world would we want to be at a place <clears throat> where we would want to come together as men? Let me tell you. Because... All throughout Scripture, there is a pattern that you may not have seen. If you're not careful, you have on your Western lenses, and Western lenses in the American culture is simply this, Lone Ranger. But even the Lone Ranger had Tano. I'm an island. I can do it. I'm a man. I could build a house, tear it back down, blow it up, build it again. I'm a man. What do I need any other guys for? I can go and find God myself. I'll just go fish all day long and talk to God all day long by myself. I don't need you. And you're, 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 that is a Western version of the Old Testament and New. That is not the Bible. That is not the Bible. And, and I'll tell you why. Because God makes contact the contingent 
of his presence. God is saying through Jesus, his son, in the book of Matthew, I'm not showing up unless there's at least... I'm not coming unless... And we resist that because as guys, we just go, look, man, I got my bills paid. I got my problems solved. I know how to, I know how to fix a toilet. I know how to roof a house. I know how to start a car. I know how to, I know how to kill things. I can, if, if I get really hungry, I'll just go out and, and I'll just go out in the woods and kill everything and eat it. You're a man. Congratulations. But God says, I'm not showing up unless there's one other. Where two or more are gathered in my name there the whetstone is in the midst of them so because i gotta be with him i, <laughs> I gotta be with you and because you want to be with him you gotta be with me <sighs> so what do we do with that i mean what in the world this is about as uncomfortable as it ever gets. What is pastor going to do now? I know what some of you men are thinking because you're smart. You've been in church for a long time and you know there's always something that happens at church that makes me a little uncomfortable as a man. Yeah, yeah. And, and if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, then it's probably not effective. <laughs> I love what Mark Batterson said. He said, my ministry is to give healing and comfort to those that are in pain. But my ministry also is to bring discomfort to those who are in a comfort zone. If everything's always comfortable for you, you're not in contact. There has to be a little heat. And I thought about how to close this today. I thought about some creative ways because I love, I love games, don't you? I'm, I'm not going to play any games. I'm just, I'd love to do some things to you and watch you do it and just see how you react. <laughs> There's really nothing you can do about it but leave. But then you'd prove the sermon right <laughs> that you're not a man. And I know what some of the men are doing. I don't care what you say. You can't make me do a thing. And that, yeah, that's true. I can't. I can't. But you got to ask yourself, does God want you? To... Now, look, Jeffy, you're leaving already. <laughs> I love you, buddy. We're friends. No, don't anybody get all offended about that. Say, oh, he called somebody. He called for me out. Jeffy and I go, you know what we did the last? He ain't here, so I'll tell you. <laughs> you know what the last time we did when we got together? We went and seen a Star Trek movie together at the theater. Um, and uh, I was like, dude, I don't like any of the food in there. He's like, yeah, yeah, but we got to eat what's in there. I said, no, we don't. And I did something really wrong. Uh -oh. I had a big coat on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went over to, <laughs> there was a Red Robin right next to the restaurant oh, no. and a Subway. And I bought a bunch of stuff from Red Robin and a bunch of stuff. I had Subways and burgers and stuff in my coat. <laughs> and I zipped it up like this and I came in like this. I'm like, two tickets, please. You know, and uh, met him, and he's like, he's like, dude, I got some sodas. What you got? And I'm like, <laughs> I zip this baby down, and I'm like, check it out, <laughs> check it out. 
Now, now that's called making someone else dull, okay? That's not sharpening, but listen, I'm a guy. No, what I'd really love to see guys do this morning before we leave, I'm not going to make you hold hands because I know that is the no-no. <laughs> like, in this church, it'd be like 15 guys up here holding hands, you know? Uh, 80 women, and be like, we'll hold hands, we love each other. Guys would be like, I ain't touching anybody. But you know what would be great? You know what would be awesome? Is if the worship team played in the background.